Take your Bibles out with us this morning. Thank you so much for your giving. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 within your Bibles this morning. Amen. If you're about to get married, this message is for you this morning. Amen. I'm looking at a good-looking, engaged couple back here. We've had a bunch of them this morning. Hey, Jesse, what's his name again? Austin. Bless you, Austin. Amen. Welcome this morning. Praise God. And uh, I've had engaged couples. This message is for engaged couples this morning. This message is for married couples this morning. This message is for parents this morning. This message is for people that wish they weren't married this morning. I mean, it's going to cover all the bases. All the bases this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. A wife and a hubby were having some marital Struggles, spats, come on, let's call it for what it is, fighting. Hey, we're fighting it out. Now, Becky and I, we don't fight. We have intense fellowship. <laughs> this couple was fighting, and it got so bad, they stopped talking to one another. Silent treatment. It's one of the things we'll talk about this morning. They were passing notes to one another. It had gotten it so bad. That's right. Each was unwilling to reconcile, to say, I'm sorry, or I forgive you. And uh, the hubby all of a sudden realized, hey, I've got to wake up at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. I've got a business flight, an early business flight. I don't trust that alarm clock. Uh, I need wifey to wake me up. So he passed her a note, please wake me up at 5 a.m. Some of you are already giggling, some of you are already chuckling. He wakes up in bed. It's not 5 a.m., it's 9 a.m. He's missed his flight. He's mad as a hatter. Why, why didn't she wake me up? He looks on the nightstand, there's a note. It's 5 a.m., wake up. It's so funny. You should see the row of girls over here. They're just looking at me. <laughs> Wait till you're married. Then you'll really get, you'll laugh like them. Yeah? Yeah? Sure. Sure. The best predictor of marital happiness. Researchers, experts have proved this over and over again. The best predictor of marital happiness, family happiness, is communication. Communication. 85%, 85% of all problem marriages, one common denominator, the lack of communication. Communication, the best predictor of marital happiness. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of low wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Say verse 8 with me. Love never fails. The best way to show love is to communicate. Communicate. Communication is love in action. Problems in a home, problems in a family or a marriage are not dangerous. Not communicating those issues. That's what's dangerous. Communication is to love what blood is to the body. When communication stops flowing, that home, that marriage, it's dead. This morning, dirty fighting, communication killers, or soulmates. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to us through your word and your spirit this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. 
Amen. Would you follow along with me? This is uh, uh, definitely not preaching this morning. This is more teaching, or if I can term it, it's group counseling. We're going to have a group counseling session. Is that okay this morning? But you know this guy up here, he can't, he can't finish a service without preaching. So that probably will come out at, at, at one point or a, a, another. Write it down, fill in the blank. If you don't have a sermon study guide, lift up your hand. In a busy, fast-paced, media-saturated culture, many marriages and families communicate on what I call the elevator talk level. The elevator talk level. We're looking at three forms of communication in the home today. The first level I would draw your attention to is what I call elevator talk. What do you usually talk about when you enter in, into our elevator? If you do talk, most of us look at our smartphone or our watch. We don't want to look at that person in the eye. We're in that small cubicle with complete strangers that we've never met and probably will never meet again. And it's a strange setting. But if we do talk, what do we talk about? Always the weather. We talk about superficial, surface-level communication. Our culture, our culture is saturated with superficial communication. Elevator talk. Someone asks you, how's your family doing? Fine. Now, they weren't really asking, and we really weren't answering. The truth is, you and your wife haven't spoken to one another for five years. Your two kids are in jail, and the IRS is repossessing your house. But they ask, how's your family doing? And, and you say, fine. Countless marriages and families subsist on shallow, superficial communication, elevator talk across America today. And sad to say, in our churches as well. How is it, how is it, how is it that when you're dating someone, when you're courting, when you're engaged, you can't spend enough time together? You can't get a piece of paper between them. There's not enough phone time, text time, face time. There's just not enough time together. Yet I see them a year later in counseling, and I can't get them even to sit on the same couch together, let alone talk to one another. What changes? Elevator talk seeps into the home. I find this over and over again. Hubby comes home from work. Wifey comes home from work. Hi, hi. Supper, yeah. TV, sure. Night, night, day in, day out, week in, week out, the calendar passes, and then they wonder why their marriage is stuck in a rut. And love has gone on a recession. They're in a dry spell because they're subsisting on superficial elevator talk communication. Sure. Uh, elevator talk homes are where communication among family members has become so lifeless. It's got about the same amount of joy that you find in the lobster tank over here at the restaurant. You know, lobsters are getting ready to die. Come on, it took some time to come up with in the sermon. It really did. Successful marriages, write it down. Successful families are determined to carve out time each day to enjoy meaningful communication. Lakeside, I say one of the great healing works that we can do in the home today is to bring back supper time, the dinner table, and the smartphones get shut off. The TV shut off. The computer, shut off. The video games, shut off. We go to the restaurant, it's all shut off too. Some of us, we wouldn't know what to do with one another. We shut off those smartphones and stop texting. We might have to look at one another in the eye. We might have to talk. Would you make sure that elevator talk 
has a quick death in your home relationships? Communication killers, though. There's something far worse, far worse than elevator talk. How about communication killers and downright dirty fighting? You know, many homes, it's not a problem of talking. Many homes, it's not a problem of communication. Many homes today, it's the wrong kind of communication. It's hurtful communication. Let's identify some of these communication killers in our homes. Two wrong phrases. There's many, many more. But I want to cite just two. Two wrong phrases to use with your kids. Two wrong phrases to use with your kids. How about this one? Uh, kids, how many times have you heard this one? When I was your age, when I was your age, there's a running joke in the Christ family that the older that dad gets, the walk to school gets longer. The snow is deeper. Shoes have more holes in them. In fact, dad never wore shoes going to school, walking in the snow, and the, and the journey was all uphill going to school, and it was all uphill going back home too. When I was your, what's wrong with saying when I was your age? It shuts down communication. It says to the other, you don't really understand. Uh, if you would really grow up, if you'd really come up to, to, to speed, I know better than you. It shuts down the flow of ideas, hopes, and dreams from the young. Sure. How about, how about this one? How about this one? I counsel seniors today that are still reliving this phrase. Why can't you be more like? Why can't you be more like? So hurtful. The Bible is very clear about making comparisons. In fact, the Bible gives us a, a whole, gives us chapters on, on how parents played favorites with their sons, Esau and Jacob, and how explosive and de divisive and hurtful that was. Paul the Apostle says this, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Let me cut to the chase. Paul is saying here, comparisons kill. Wise is the parent that understands every one of your children are different. God is a unique creator. He has the power to design every single one of us differently. You are a unique fashion and creation of God. Think of it. Most definitely the Bible lets us know that when God made you, He did throw the mold away. There is no one else like you. There will never be again anyone like you. You are utterly and absolutely unique. Wise is the parent that understands that with their child and uh, 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 applies discipline, applies communication to those differences. Viva la difference. Yes. That's what makes the family so wonderful. And, and the Bible says if you will train up a child in the way he or she should go, if you'll train up a child according to those differences and apply God's Word sensitively to the differences which could be completely, vastly different from their sibling, God's blessing will be upon you. He'll help you in your parenting as you invest in that child's spiritual stature. Write it down. There's two negative roles that have been identified in marital communication. The child and the parent roles. The child and the parent roles. Which role do you act out the most? I hope it's neither one of these. The child and the parent role. The child role, how do you, how do you know that you're dealing with a child in communication? That child could be 40 years old, but they're acting like a child. You're going to see nonverbal cues. Uh, in other words, body language. You're, you're going to see 
slamming doors. You're going to see pouting. You're going to see waterworks until they get their way. You might see a fist through a wall. You'll hear shouting. You'll note temper tantrums. Those are all outward expressions, both verbally uh, and non-verbally, of the child role. You'll hear teasing. You'll hear mean jokes. You'll hear cut-downs. All from the mouth and the actions of the child. How about the parent? How can you determine a parent role? How do you know when a spouse is using the parent role in marital communication? Oh, one of the obvious things that I see and I look for right away is the correcting index finger being wagged. I know more than you know. You are naughty. You have been misbehaving. It gets even worse if you begin to see the toe tapping. Or arms crossed, hands on hip. The parent role in communication uh, is the correcting parent, the preaching parent, the perfectionistic parent. Me smart, you dumb. The parent role in communication. It is a disease. It is a malady to a successful marital relationship. Be aware of it. Becky's going to help me here this morning, and we're going to do. Uh, we're going to have a little fun here this morning. I want to see how well you can detect and identify the parent role, how well you can identify the child role. Uh, I want to see how well that uh, you can uh, remember these five negative attitudes that we want to share with you this morning. Uh, five negative attitudes in marital communication or how to fight dirty. How to fight dirty. Where is, oh, she's right behind me. There she is. Boy, she's quick. My, my, my. Oh, it's good to be home. Oh, am I dead? Hi, honey. Oh. How's it going? Oh, babe, babe. Uh, I've just had the worst day with those kids. I mean, uh, here Julie and Jonathan got into all the, the paints, and it's pissed all over the carpet in the basement, number one. I'm scrubbing that, trying to get that out. Uh, then little Jenny, she just takes off on me in the front door, and she's just disappeared, and I'm just searching the whole neighborhood, and I can't find her. And, and finally, a neighbor finds her, and, and honey, oh my gosh, what a day I've had with these kids. Rebecca, upshut. Now I've told you, young lady, time and time and time again that if you would appropriate the dynamics of positive and negative reinforcement as a paradigm for the child rearing that we need to necessitate in this home environment, that you would not be embracing this type of misery in your parenting skills. <laughs> what role is pastor playing? What role is she playing? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. She shouldn't let me get away with that. That's right. Okay. Let, let, let's uh, write it down, if you would. I respond in the parent role, this form of dirty fighting is known as disallowance of feelings. A dirty fighting tactic is when you shut down your loved one, your spouse, from expressing their feelings. You know deep down, consciously or unconsciously, the expression of feelings is valuable to them, needful to them, but you shut it down as a hurtful response to your spouse or, or your loved one. Disallowance uh, of feelings. Yes. How about this one? 
Drawn again? Those are going to bounce. Rebecca? Rebecca? Come here. Sit down. I'm sorry. You know what I'm going to talk about. Uh, you know you. Sit down. You know you. Woman, what is your problem? Did you ever graduate from high school? You know I'm bad with money. You knew that. Did you ever have math in school? You know I can't. I can't uh, balance the checkbook. What's two plus two? I'm so sorry. What's two plus two? I'm so dumb. Listen, listen, sister. It ain't five. I cannot. I cannot. I can't keep up with your spending. I'm sorry. Don't yell at me, please. Don't yell at me. We've talked about this before. We cannot be spending more than I'm making. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You ought to be sorry. I. I'm gonna get a gold crown in heaven for living with you. It's interesting what comes out when you haven't rehearsed. <laughs> what role is Becky taking? What role am I taking? This syndrome, this dirty fighting tactic is known as super guilt. Write it down, super guilt. We heap guilt as a form of intimidation, manipulation, domination upon our spouse. Uh, we come across as, uh, as uh, holier than thou, as the all-knowing, all-wise. Again, the parent role. Uh, you know, we are, are, are God's blessing wrapped up in skin, and we are cursed with the other. We put a guilt trip uh, upon the other. Okay? Excellent. Uh, how about um, this one? Praise God, work's over. I can't wait. I can't wait. Hey, honey, where, where's my racket for racquetball? Where, where? Oh, yeah. here it is. Uh, 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 uh. Now, just a minute. Wait a minute. Wait hey, a minute. We, we got a great day. Uh, I got a court. I reserved a court. Sit down. Sit down. You sit down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You sit down. Now, listen. Listen. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Do you understand? Uh, I've had uh, uh, enough nights with these kids. And you know what? I'm going out. I got a shopping date with Dawn and Cindy and Linda. We're having a girls' night. You're staying home with these kids. You're not going to go play racquetball. Do you understand me? Is it clear? It's clear. And I don't want to see any back talk. Uh, and then you're going to cook dinner, too, on top of it. And you're going, to you're, going to, you're going to clean up that kitchen. You're going to do those dishes. You're going to vacuum that carpet. You're going to start doing the work around here, buddy. See ya. Do you know what suppressed anger is? <laughs> Sorry about that, uh, Dan. You're a good man. I know I could use Dan. You're a good man. Amen. Amen. What role is Becky playing? What role am I playing? Child role. Write it down. Fill in the blank. This is peace at any cost or withdrawal. Peace at any cost or the withdrawal syndrome in marital communication is extremely dangerous. This is where one or both spouses push down the anger 
They don't resolve conflict. Uh, they don't express themselves verbally, but they are releasing anger. They'll release it in other forms. Look out if it's the passive-aggressive because it can be a volcano that sooner or later will erupt. And this is what you hear about in the news quite a bit, most definitely. How about, how about um, this one? How about this one? Oh, my favorite magazine. Oh, honey, honey. Oh, oh, what a day I've had. Oh, my goodness. Uh, my grocery store, of course, has never has enough uh, parking spaces, and I had to just drive around and around and around, and I finally find a space, and, of course, someone steals it from me, and I had to park way at the end of that parking lot and, and trudge the snow and try to uh, get into the store. And, of course, Jenny, uh, uh, go first thing in there, she just, you know, uh, 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 spills a whole jar of pickles over, breaks it in the, in the, in the uh, aisle, and I couldn't get anyone to come and help me, and, and it was so embarrassing, and then, and then when I was trying to get out of that store, I'm checking out, and I get out to the car, and I notice, sure. you know, uh, uh, sure. uh, man, this is a lot more than I thought it should be, and all of sure. a sudden, I look, and here, instead of charging me six sixty-six oh, wow. for a bag of oranges, wow, they charge me $66.66 for oranges. And of course, the cashier, she can't take care of it. No, I've got to go over to customer service, wait in that huge line, and finally get it resolved, pack Jenny up back in the car, and just try to get home. And, you know, could, could we go out for supper tonight, please, so I'll have to cook? Because I've had a bad day. Rebecca, why don't you just change grocery stores? I'm killing him. Common, common man response. Common man response. Uh, men on a whole, now this is not exclusive to men, but on a whole, this is a generalization I'm making, are problem solution oriented. We, we're fix it. Here's a problem, we fix it. But women want us to hear their feelings. They want us to understand their feelings. Woe upon a man who is not wise enough to learn that. You do not respond to feelings with facts. You respond to feelings with sympathy, empathy, and understanding. Women, can I hear an amen? There you go. Uh, that one, I'm reacting as parent to child, this form of dirty fighting, write it down, is called insensitivity. Insensitivity. Yeah. You, you understand and know that feelings are important, but you disregard them, discard them anyhow. Okay, how, how about uh, this one? Notice that most of these, I'm coming home from work. Well, the most dangerous five minutes of every day. <laughs> the most dangerous five minutes. They can be the most loving or they can be the most dangerous. Hey, babe, how's it going? Guess what? I, I just got a phone call from mom and dad. And, and uh, uh, come on down here. I, I got to tell you that this is exciting. This is exciting. Really? Just What's got up? a phone call from mom and dad. And uh, dad has been able to rent a pontoon boat. And uh, we're going to go boating uh, on Memorial Day. Oh, no, wait it's a already second. Planned. Uh, uh, no, wait, wait. Don't what? you remember? We are spending Memorial Day with my family. We, we made that what? plan a long time ago. No yes, way, yeah, Jose. We're, we're, we're going over to Canton, and we're going to go to Kensington Park, uh, have a picnic. No, 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 it's no, all no, been no, no. You just cut it off right there. <laughs> What do you mean? Read my <laughs> lips. I'm reading them. But no hey, way. Hey, I'm not, Are you oh, going to no. take my holiday? <laughs> no way. To I'm spend not. with your relative, your family, bunch of bores. Uh, <laughs> bunch yeah. of bores. Like I want to be with your family. Why would I want to be with your and family? They make noises when they eat. Oh. <laughs> Those smacking yeah. noises. We they get with that. 
crazy. We get with, yeah. We get with your family. All they want to talk about is church. I, I, I'm sick of it. I want to have fun. Well, at least there's something <laughs> spiritual. I want to have fun. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Your family's... At least my family hey. goes to church. Oh, well, <laughs> they got a lot of... They, my family loves God. They've got a lot of skeletons in their closet. I'm telling you right now. Give you now. skeletons. <laughs> I'll turn you into a skeleton woman. <laughs> you try it. Okay, here's the question. Parent, which one's the parent, which one's the child? Both are what? Both are parent or both are child? Both are being children. Probably one of the most dangerous home settings of all. Most dangerous calls for police to go on are where family members are all acting like children. And highly dangerous. This syndrome is called attack counterattack. Attack counterattack. Attack counterattack uh, unless it's nipped in the blood, bud, unless it's recognized. It will move from throwing stones to making spears to using muskets to lobbing nuclear warheads. In the name of Jesus, be man enough, woman enough to recognize it and stop it before things are said that can never be taken back. Amen? You better kiss and make up. You did good. <laughs> Amen. Stay here. Stay here. Stay in the... Yeah. Stay here. Yeah. 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 Praise the Lord. Again, we never fight. Intense fellowship. Man, is it fun making up, isn't it? Write it down. We need to move on. The ideal role in marital communication is known then as the adult role. This, the adult role is the positive role. If, if the child role and, and the, the parent role are the negative roles, the adult role is the uh, ideal one. Uh, uh, mature communication strives for conversational intimacy. Listen to what the Bible says right from the beginning. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. Let me stop right there. Husbands... Leave mommy and daddy. Wifey, leave mommy and daddy. This is God's will for you. Oh, I've moved out of the house. I live with my spouse. But have you grown up? Have you matured? Mature communication is always other-centered. It's not self-centered. Mature communication seeks to build up the other. It seeks truth. It doesn't wear a mask. By the way, this is a bunny trail. Most singles, most singles, most singles, engaged couples, be aware of this, most singles wear a mask and they leave the real person in a cage at home. <laughs> make sure, make sure that you're dealing in truth. Take off your mask. Reveal inner hurts, inner desires. Reveal your plans, your hopes, your dreams. Uh, uh, Prepare to be transparent one with another. Now continue to what the, listen to what the Lord says here. And they shall be, and cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh, and they were both what? Naked. Down south they say naked. The man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now this nakedness is important. I want you to remember that. Uh, conversational intimacy. It includes four dynamics. Write them down real quick. Conversational intimacy includes transparency. Peak communication in the home, especially among marital partners, will always include emotional nakedness. Transparency. I am willing to open up and let you see my weaknesses, my fears, my hopes, my greatest desires. I am willing to let you see the real me. Emotional, psychological nakedness. Conversational intimacy includes listening. Listening. On average, how many, how many words does a woman speak every day on average? 
25,000. Communication experts tell us 25,000 words in your average day. How, how many words does a man speak on average per day? 10,000. Now we're ripe for difficulty here because when the husband comes home from work, when the wife comes home from work, okay, he uh, has used 9,000 already at work. She's just warming up. <laughs> and he's only got a thousand left. If a couple does not bridge that communication gap through listening, through more than communication, conversation, interaction, it's ripe for, for trouble. Proverbs 21.11, the wise man learns by listening. Listening. You know, I, I, I can tend to be a task-oriented individual. Most senior pastors are. I can tend to be lean towards being task-oriented. And when Becky is going nonstop with all the details, uh, I can have a proclivity of, would you just cut to the chase? What's the bottom line here? My impatience moves in, especially, you know, with something to do... You can't imagine what happened in traffic with the car. You know, right away, I want to know, what's the condition of the car? But I got to hear what color the road was, the name of the road, what color the sky was, what, what, how many birds were in the sky, until my stomach is all wound up with ulcers. All I want to know is, what happened with the car? How much? How much? But I have learned... I have learned through painful experience, and this is where I've been wrong. I just need to sit and be patient because love is patient. And I need to appreciate how God has made Becky and wired Becky and, 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 and her with me, too. She's learned to shorten it a little bit, too. Yeah. Wise man learns by listening. Conversational intimacy necessitates encouragement. Be your spouse's greatest cheerleader. Time and time and time again, when I have dealt with men that have fallen into adultery, the other woman is not as good looking as the wife. I have found that to be a constant over and over again. Somehow, some way, the other woman got into the ear gate and started telling him how great he is, how wonderful he is. And that became the open door. Wife, husband, don't let anybody else be a substitute for you in this regard. Be your spouse's greatest cheerleader. My wife is with me. She says, I love the way your muscles ripple when you take out the garbage. Man, I look forward every week to take out that garbage. I'll do it tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Mark it down. Conversational intimacy means empathy. 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 Husbands, most of the time, your wife doesn't need you to fix her problem. She needs you to hear her heart and understand her feelings. We've already hit this one pretty much. The proverb says, Be ye of an understanding heart. Seek to understand your wife. I sat down with some Rambo, some John Wayne not long ago, and uh, uh, he was the most insensitive, hard-nosed husband that you could imagine. And I said, listen, I want you to stay home from work. And I want you to mother those three little darlings that are all in diapers. I want you 
to clean and change their diapers. I want you to wash the clothes, to vacuum the floors, to wash the dishes, to make sure supper is on the table, the house is clean, and when you greet your spouse at the front door when she comes home from work, greet her looking like a, a, a beauty pageant winner with a rose clenched between your teeth. He got tired with me just talking to him. He says, you're crazy. I said, I wasn't talking about a lifestyle. I was just talking about one day. I believe that uh, every man, every man should spend at least one day doing the work of a wife and a mother. I believe that every parishioner, every parishioner needs to walk through a week with their pastor and, and have the 24-7 phone calls and, and try to keep everybody happy and then uh, prepare every week lessons and sermons that are both theologically elevating and both entertaining at the same time. Each and every week, I believe every preacher ought to sit in a pew and, and, and be like a parishioner and hear long-winded sermons. <laughs> Sensitive, understanding, put yourself in the shoes of the other. In counseling, we talk about advanced, accurate level empathy, where we literally crawl inside the skin of the counselee and see life in the world through their eyes. You'll never miss by exercising empathy in your home. Conversational intimacy is at its peak performance when it's experiencing the golden expressions of marriage and family. We've gone over this before. Let me share them again. Three golden expressions that should be done, demonstrated in your home time and time again. Number one, I'm sorry. You have not married the perfect spouse, and neither have they. That's why there has to be a lot of I'm sorry in the home. Number two, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. If there's one constant message from the Father, from Jesus, from the apostles, from the Old and New Testaments, it's reconciliation. I forgive you. If you're not able to forgive someone, then God can't forgive you. Think of what God has forgiven you from and you'll have no problem forgiving others. Thirdly, you can never say this enough. In a marriage and in a home, I love you. I love you. Does your spouse know it? Have you told her, told him lately? I love you. Do your children know it? Do your grandchildren know it? Have you told them? Have you showed them? I love you. I'll be picking up my parents from the airport this week, and I can guarantee that my 84-year-old dad and my 80-year-old mother will run up to me and hug me and kiss me on the cheek. And I will kiss my dad and my mom on the cheek. And I've told my children, I don't care how old you get, you will hug me, you will kiss me, and I will kiss you. I want them to know without a shadow of a doubt they're loved. They're loved. The greatest security you can ever give your children is to love their mother, dad. No matter how old your children get, show your children that you love them. Share with them the facts of life. Don't let some humanistic teacher at school do that. My parents at age 12, you might have to start younger today. When I was age 12, they took me out to a fancy restaurant. Then they parked beside Lake Michigan, and they shared with me the birds and the bees, the facts of life. And I looked at them, and I said, you got to be kidding. <laughs> it was done tenderly with love. My dad and my mom were the first ones to share with me Jesus. Not a youth pastor, not a Sunday school teacher. The best and the most loving thing you can ever do for your children is to introduce them to Jesus. Don't just speak it. Show it. Showing love is the greatest form of communication. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, Whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. A home without discipline is a home without love. How do kids spell love? T. I am 
much love, too much time with your kids never spoils them. Children become spoiled when we substitute presence for presence. Don't let your home ever be a place for phantom fathers. Don't let your home ever be a place for missing moms. Move to part four. God is a God of communication. Think of how God has spoken. And even today, how God is speaking. Can you imagine, I've said this before, taking, taking some tourists to Mount Rushmore and looking at those four presidents carved in the mountain. And can you imagine saying, look, look what thousands of years of wind erosion and, and water erosion, look at what has just happened. Carving the, the, the faces of those presidents in that mountain. They'd look at you like you're nuts. God is the author of communication and revelation. God has been speaking and shouting to this planet that He exists from time immemorial. He speaks to us, the Bible says, through creation. You cannot have a design without a designer. Amen? Romans chapter 1 says that man is without excuse. The heavens declare the glory of God. We are learning in science more and more. That's why I love sitting down in a discussion or a debate with the atheist who does not believe in the existence of God. I love to sit down and talk about, for instance, our anthropic universe. We have discovered more than 2,000 exoplanets outside of our solar system, and not one, not one yet, is able to sustain life as we know it. We exist within such tiny variables for the existence of life. If we were just a hair closer to the sun, a hair farther away, and I could go on, if we didn't have a moon, our planet would wobble. We wouldn't have a tides in the oceans, and I could go on and on. There are scores of anthropic evidence that we exist within a tiny margin where life could not or would not exist did it happen by accident? No! The macro universe and the micro universe screams to us of order of a master architect and planner and designer. You can't have the design without the designer. God has spoken to us, not just through creation. God has spoken to us. Next, He has revealed Himself to us through His what? Through His Word. Through His Word. What does His Word say to us? What does this Word say to us? This Word says that nothing shall separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. This Word declares that you are more than a conqueror through Him that loved you. This Word says that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. This Word declares if God be for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against us can prosper. Though the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Greater is He that's within us than he does within this wor world. Amen. That's what this word says. God has revealed himself through the prophets, through the holy scriptures, through the word. But that wasn't enough for God. How else has God re revealed himself to us? How else has God spoken to us? How else has God communicated with us? Nature was not enough. The scriptures were not enough. So God visited this planet in the form of a little baby Jesus who was laid in a Bethlehem manger only to be laid upon a cross. And on the cross, uh, He cried out His last three words, It is finished! What's finished? 
Your sins are finished through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, Satan is finished through the authority given to Jesus Christ. Lord of lords and King of kings. Hell is finished for the death uh, no longer has any victory. The grave has no longer any sting. Hallelujah to our God who reigns forever. It is finished. God is speaking. The issue of the hour, as God has spoken through creation, God has spoken through the Scriptures, God has spoken through His cross, His Son Christ Jesus, for in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God has spoken. The issue of the hour is this. Are we listening? Are you listening? Jesus said in John 10, 4, His sheep follow Him because they know His voice. Do you know His voice? Hebrews 10, 4, Today when you hear Him calling, do not harden your hearts against Him. Revelation 3, 20, Behold, I stand at the door, and if anyone hears My voice, what is He saying to you this morning? What does He want you to hear? He wants you to hear Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, for your marriage, for your home, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. God's speaking to us. Will we speak to Him? Will you speak to Him about your marriage? Peak marital communication only occurs when married couples become true soulmates. Soulmates. Honey, join me up here. If you would, please. Face me. Hold my hand. The world can achieve physical intimacy. That's not a newsflash. The world, non-Christians, unbelievers can experience relational, intellectual, emotional, relational intimacy. But only Christians, only blood-bought, born-again, Bible-believing Christians can experience total intimacy. Total intimacy is spiritual intimacy. It is complete oneness. It is what you were created and designed for, to become one spiritually with your mate, with your family member. Spiritual intimacy is when you invite the third partner of your marriage to join you in a circle of spiritual oneness. When you invite your heavenly Father to come into the home, to come into the marriage, you clasp hands together as one in the faith, as one in the name of Jesus, as one in the Lord and one in the Spirit. And you pray one for another reflecting one another's hurts, reflecting one another's needs, praying for one another's desires, inviting God to be Lord and Master, letting Jesus be Jesus in your marriage, in your home. God is speaking. Are you listening? God has communicated with us. And He still is speaking to us. Are you speaking to God about your marriage? Are you speaking to the Lord about your family? Becky can tell you what my favorite picture is. It was on the cover of Focus on the Family magazine more than 25 years ago. And there's a picture of a daddy on his knees at his boy's bed. His little boy is hugging a teddy bear and daddy is praying while his boy is sleeping at night. 
unbeknownst to dad, outside the window is a ferocious, mighty demon. A demon from hell, hungry for the soul of that little child. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, for the enemy goes about as a roaring lion, seeking we may devour. But dad is praying and keeping the demon outside is a greater and a mightier and a gigantic angel from God holding back the demon because daddy is praying. When we get to heaven, the first thing I want to do when I get in through those pearly gates, the first thing I want to do is this. Is the family circle complete? Is Julie here? Is Ryan here? Praise God they're here. Jonathan, Taryn, are they here? Jack and Logan, our grandsons, are they here? Yes. Oh my God, Jenny. Praise God, Jenny's here. She made it. <laughs> the family circle, honey. The family circle is complete. We have achieved the greatest success of all time. Mission is accomplished. The family circle is complete. And then we'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Come on, honey. Night is drawing close and closed. A new day is beginning. It's morning time. And we'll walk into the gates of heaven. Bring your children to the Lord in prayer. Bring your children to the Lord through praise and worship. It'll vanquish the darts of the enemy. I don't have the line before me, but the last blank I was going to have you fill in was... Pray you'll arrive in heaven shouting, Mission accomplished. Father, in the name of Jesus, Becky and I pray over this congregation this morning. And Lord, we speak victory in our homes, victory in our marriages. Lord, we might become a success in every realm and dimension of life. We might, oh God, Lord, have money. We might have property, houses, and cars. But Lord, if our family is not serving you, if the circle is not complete, oh Lord, God, uh, Lord, eternity in many ways can be an unimaginable loss. And so Lord, today, we join with parents, we join with family members, in praying, oh God, for parents, praying for children, praying for our loved ones as never before, oh God, that the family circle on that day of days will be complete. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed here this morning. Somebody, somewhere is praying for you. Somebody somewhere is lifting your name up before God even right now. You're not where you're, you should be with God. You're not sure that you're in a right relationship with God. And maybe this morning you want to be. You're not sure you have a home in heaven. And this morning you want to be certain. If that's you, I would like to include you in a prayer of salvation that I can pray if you would like to be included in a prayer of salvation that will save your soul, it'll give you a home in heaven and make you right with God. As heads are bowed and nobody's looking around, would you just lift up your hand right now? Lift up your hand right now if you would like to be included in a prayer of salvation. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. How many more this morning? Just lift it up to Jesus. Lift it up to Jesus this morning. Pastor, include me in that prayer. I want to know that I know that heaven is my home, that I'm right with God. Include me in that prayer. Everyone pray with me right now. 
And you that have your hand raised, own this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus. Say it with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you right now. And I confess I am a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sin. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. Jesus, save me. Jesus, change me. Make me brand new. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for giving me a home in heaven. I receive as I believe. In the name of Jesus, amen.